Welcome to the Unfiltered Friends podcast, where we humanize your favorite creators through their personal stories and then learn something from them. I hope you feel inspired by today's guest, and if you do, share it with someone who needs it. So without further ado, here is Unfiltered Friends. Hello, Unfiltered Friends. Welcome to another episode. Today, we have on Eric. He was actually one of my early guests for this uh, later iteration of the podcast, and I wanted to have him back on because I didn't think we got to distribute the video properly, and also I have a lot of questions for him because he um, he has a lot of uh, of experience in just moving in a direction that works for you, and I feel like I'm in the throes of that sort of discussion with myself. So, hello, Eric. Hello, Chris. How's it going? It's going really well. It's a beautiful morning out here in California. It the is. sun is just coming up over on my head. Yes. So just to give people a little bit of a of a background about um, like what it is that you do content creation wise, obviously listening to your beautiful gravelly voice, it's very soothing to a lot of people. So you have a podcast where you read stories for to help people sleep. I do. Yeah. It's called uh, Listen to Sleep. And, um, I've had that for, a, I just had the four year anniversary actually. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. 300 episodes. Whoa. Got at it. what point did you start to realize with like, at what episode point did you start to realize that it was really starting to get traction? It's <sighs> a good question. I, um, I remember distinctly going to visit Joe's family, my fiance's family, uh, in like August of that year, 2019. And it, while we were there, the podcast hit a thousand downloads. Oh, I was like, a thousand downloads, a thousand people have downloaded this. It's amazing as a whole, or just an individual podcast, just as a whole, like literally there were a thousand downloads that had happened. Um, and, and I was so excited because I was just like, oh, this is great. And, I, you know, I'd had so many podcasts before. Uh, I first started podcasting in like 2002, maybe before there were actually, before there was RSS, I did webcasts for mm. the AIDS life cycle. And then I did in 2007, I did an actual podcast for the San Francisco AIDS Foundation. So this wasn't my first podcast, but it was the first one that I had ever felt like really excited about and was mine. So a thousand downloads was super exciting. And then I think it was probably about a year later when, um, anchor got in touch with me and they asked me if I wanted to switch platforms, uh, to them. Um, and, and then I was like, Oh, I guess this is kind of starting to be a big deal. Yeah. And, so that felt like I think when when I switched platforms to Anchor, that felt like when I had kind of like, oh, okay, people are noticing this podcast. Um, so yeah, I would say that's when it felt kind of successful. That's also when it started to um, to pay for itself. You know, up until then, it had cost me more money than it was actually making, as it tends to do in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 But yeah, so it sounds like you 
picked a path that was genuine to something that you're interested in. And then it just eventually started to like work out for you. But it, regardless, you were enjoying what you were doing. I was, I was, yeah. it was, uh, for me, I, I had started it, uh, for two reasons. One, I was not happy with what I was doing. I was, I was in my dream job in my dream place hmm. and I still wasn't happy. And that actually really like, uh, affected me deeply. It, it was sort of the, it was about four years ago that I had this very deep existential crisis where I went, wait, I have done everything I wanted to do with my life. And I'm, I thought this would be like it, you know, like you get there and you, you, you make your goals, you spend years pursuing them and then like happy, right? Like that's, isn't that the way it's supposed to be? I'm in my fifties. I've spent my whole life doing this. I finally got what I wanted and it wasn't any different. This you know, is four years like, ago when this happened. This was four years ago. And how, how old are you now? I'm 57. I think, I mean, you probably see this quite a bit on social media, especially where people are like, oh, I'm 25 and I haven't figured things out. I'm 30. I haven't figured <laughs> things out. Like I'm 35. I'm 41. You know, what do you say to those people who are like, I haven't hit this goal by this age as someone oh. who like discovered what they wanted to do in their 50s? Yeah, well, actually, I mean, the, the story's not over yet. Because I haven't, that, that was just the next step on discovering what I wanted to do. But what I would say to those people uh, is that you're right on time. You know, for me, when I was in my 20s, I had, I fully had this idea that I wanted to go out there and make the world make me happy. Um, you know, the, the whole nine yards, it was, it was the late eighties, early nineties. So, you know, like manifesting and new age stuff and all of that was like so huge. And I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. I am going to be responsible and I'm going to get out there and I'm going to make it happen. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so, uh, so aggressive, aggressive, so aggressively aggressive. trying to find happiness to, in my experience tends to lead you further away from happiness. That that is true. That is true. Trying to trying to make happiness or, or I think more than that, it's trying to bottle it or to keep it or mm. to find a way to not have it go away again. Yeah. Um, and so my whole thing was, if I just make enough money, then I don't have to worry about anything else. You know? And then and you I, made I, enough I, money. And then what? I, well, no, I actually lost a ton of it. Oh, um, <laughs> I thought maybe my, you got there. <laughs> no, in my twenties, I, I, I lost. I, you know, I, I tried a bunch of different businesses and things that they did. They didn't work out. You know, I lost fifty thousand dollars when I was like twenty-seven on starting a business that failed. Um, and then I had to. I bartended for five years to pay that off. After that, yeah. But that was a, uh, that was an MBA in life, you know, for me, it was worth that because it really set me back on my hero's journey, you know, instead of just going, I'm going to do this one thing, try to make money. And then it doesn't matter what I do because I'll have money. 
I, I, I started to look at life more deeply as I had before I got into that. Because when I was 18 and I decided to become a theater major, it was because I had this aunt who was very inspirational to me. And she was an Oscar-nominated actress. She'd been in tele- early television and Hollywood for a long time. And she, I went to visit her when I was 18, and she she just inspired me. And so I, I got my degree in theater. And then when I graduated, she said, you know, I wouldn't recommend you coming down to L.A. to start acting right now. I would say, go out and live your life like a hero's journey and and bring back what you learn to other people, to the theater, to whatever it is you want to do in life. Bring your life experience, your unique gifts back. And you're too young to know what those are Mm. right now. So go out and live. And I was like, yeah, 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 no, I'm not doing that. So (laughs) I'm like, I'm moving to LA. Uh, But life had different plans for me. And I ended up falling in love and we the guy I fell in love with, we bought a sailboat and sailed away for two years to Florida from San Francisco. And all of a sudden I was on my hero's journey. Right. And then when that was over, that sailing trip was over, that adventure was over. I was like, Oh, well that doesn't last. That's when I decided, Oh, I'm going to try and just make money. And then I realized, Oh, that's not going to make me happy either. So I went back to approaching life as a hero's journey. And that's when I really started looking at how do I live in the outside world to, uh, to kind of make myself happy? How do, I, how do I go out into the world and find a way to, um, to live my dreams? Well, fast forward to four, four years ago. I had found a way to live all my dreams. I had made the outside world work for me. But what I hadn't found was the most important part of the hero's journey. And that's why the hero leaves in the first place, which is to answer the question, who am I? I wasn't willing to look inside. I was only willing to look outside. And the hero's journey is a journey through the outside world to know in a non-conceptual, deep way who we are, to answer that question, who am I? And I'd been avoiding that part. And that was, that was really what, what brought me to, uh, to the podcast and to, to going, okay, part of who I am is helping others. So my next thing I do is going to be something that's not just good for me. It's going to be good for other people too. And that, that started going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah. I mean, like I've heard some of these things before, but I find myself, I'll I'll just be honest with you. You know how many different times I've made a list of the things that make me happy. And then I don't know what to do with that list. Like, I think it's, I think it's easy to say, like, just go do those things. And I find myself, I look at these things, like for me, nature makes me happy. Helping people makes me happy. Uh, Sharing a nice restaurant with someone makes me happy. Animals make me happy. But then I don't know how to apply those things. Is it really just as simple as just 
go do those things. I think maybe and you maybe you have some I think maybe I struggle with it because I'm attached to some form of outcome instead of just going and having the experience. Mm. Maybe. Mm. Uh well, I think there's uh there's two things I hear in your question. Okay. Um one is the the I I know what I know what things, when I do them, I normally feel happy. So we tend to frame that as this makes me happy. Mm. It's the thing making me happy. When that thing happens, happy. When that thing not happen, no happy. It's literally like monkey brain. Yeah. On off one zero. Um, and that's how many of us tend to look at happiness. But really, happiness is on a continuum from like, you know, like absurd contentment to sublime joy, right? So there's just like, there's so much involved in happiness. And when you pull that apart, it, the, the, the absurd contentment is always going to be fleeting. Hmm. It's never going to last. So no matter what you do, even if you were only, if your whole life was only doing those things on that list, at a certain point, you'd be like, it's not, you're not going to, it's not going to make you happy because happiness doesn't last. It's like, it's, it's a wave. It crashes on the beach and then it goes back out and then it crashes on the beach and it, it hits you and then it's gone. It hits you and then it's gone. There's no one who lives a happy all the time life. There is, however, a baseline of joy and um, that there is anything, like a, a joy that there is anything that we can tap into that, that doesn't just come and go. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of always there. Mm. Um, I think it's tied into our capacity to be compassionate as humans. Mm. It really is. It's almost like compassion runs through us like a deep, deep underground river that doesn't exist in the same place as our emotions, our thoughts, um, happiness even. And that is part of our like true animal nature, our instinct, what, what, makes us just like a bobcat or a bear or an eagle or a rat. Mm -hmm. We have this instinctual operating system and we try to run it from a mind that's going, I'm a separate person. I have all these problems. I have to do all these things. I am very busy. I am very exhausted. I am very anxious. And it's me, me, me. I, 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 I am a separate person. What the hero's journey really teaches us, and this is like my aunt's lesson coming around full circle from, you know, 1988, is that we are not this person. The hero's journey is the oldest story we tell, and it comes about because it's from when people were first starting to live in civilization and to identify as this separate suffering individual. And it says, no, you're not that. You're not that. For 200,000 years, there have been humans, and only for the last 10,000 have there been civilization. Hmm. For all that time prior, 
we were operating as a completely different animal on an earth that was our home that we were literally a part of. Hmm. And so this story, this, this way is almost like a way of life. It's like saying, Hey, this is how you do it. You go through the outside world to discover who you are. And that, that was the thing that made all the difference to me. And, um, and then, so about four years ago, I also started working on putting all of this together into, um, into this thing called Awaken Your Myth, which is what I'm doing now as well. I'm doing the podcast and I also have this online uh, community and coaching journey that is taking people through this whole process I went through that my aunt started me on in 88 mm-hmm. and, and just sharing my own experience and, yeah. and seeing what other people's experience of it is. And they're having the same results. They're like, oh yeah, I get it. I see where I am in all this mix and it's not up here. Yeah. It's not in trying to fix the thoughts or the, the, what makes me happy. It's in getting in touch with that mystery, getting deep into who am I before thoughts, before words. Mm-hmm. And that's accessible for all of us. That's not like, some, you know, you don't have to sit in a cave in the Himalayas for 10 years to figure that out. Yeah. I mean, the part of the journey with you that we didn't talk about in the beginning is, is, you know, you lived your whole life, you know, major city life, regular job stuff now, and now you live in a cabin in the mountains. Yeah. Why? Why did you decide to do that? Uh, it was something I had always wanted. Since I was a little kid, when I you used mean to, you can just do the things that you want to do within no, reason? You you can't really. Oh. I mean, you can't just do them, but you can head that direction, and um, you can set your intention, and then surrender to what life brings. Hmm. Because yeah. there isn't. You know, this is the whole thing for me about, uh, you know, I mean, you're on on social media enough to know what this whole manifestation thing is about. Oh, my God. You know, YouTube is littered with shysters who are just yeah. you know what? If you just think it's strong enough, if you just manifest it, you can have it. I've been thinking about $2 billion for a lot of time now. And guess what has not manifested? (laughs) There has to be action. There has to be action, but there also has to be surrender. There has to be. Okay. Explain what that means. What does it mean to surrender to what manifestation or what is that? No, it's, uh, it's not surrendering to, to manifestation or the outcome. It's, it's really, Here's the thing. Surrender isn't really something we can do. It's Mm. something that when we're asked to, we can accept. Mm. Um, But what we can do is yield. We can yield. We can say, okay, in this moment, I am going to be with what is. I'm going to go deeply into this feeling, this situation, 
these thoughts and just let them be. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try and analyze them. I'm not going to. Um, I'm not going to try to change them. I'm going to be with what is right here in this moment and, and see what comes of that. See what I learn about that feeling that's under that feeling and what sensation is under that. And just get very curious about what's going on in our own bodies and our own lives. Yeah. Instead of jumping to, I don't want this, make it go away. Because that is the heart of denial. It's just, it's like denial, 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 denial. Oh, I got something I want. Denial, 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 denial. I got something I want. And it becomes this like hamster wheel of what looks like life because it's how most people are doing it. But does it work for most people? Do you look around and go, yeah, this, people got it down. We're doing it right. Yeah, no. I was like, no, we're not. We're not. And I'm certainly not. You know, yeah. it, it hurt to live like that. I think I think you're kind of right. I think people get so wrapped up in the idea of what they th- you are actually the one who introduced me to the phrase don't should on people. <laughs> <laughs> so like people are shooting on themselves, you know, like yeah, they are shit all over themselves. <laughs> yeah, basically people have an idea of the way life should be that they don't look at what's actually happening. They're like, it's like they're kind of off. off, They're like cherry picking which parts of life they would like to happen. And that's not really how life works. Well, no, I mean, it's not that because that is saying that I'm, you know, it's reinforcing your own separation from life Hmm. is, is basically what it is. And so when that's happening, we're always trying to struggle against. Whereas when we're being with and and taking that time to go, what is this right now? What is what is happening in in my life in my world? What's happening in me? Then it it starts to reveal itself as of a piece, a whole. There is just life. There isn't, you know, the past, which is haunting me and the future, which is eluding me and the present, which just sucks. And, you know, how do I get out of this? So in that moment of yielding, we can bring an intention to what we would like to create, be, do. And when that intention comes from someplace that's deeply authentic, that is us. Now we're taking our uniqueness, our unique gifts, our kind of the our flavor of humanity because we're all far more alike than but we are different. We're all different. And that unique flavor of you or me is what we have to give to the whole group. But like this is this is an example like where I am right now. So I'm just going to like, we talked about it briefly, like off camera, but you know, the beginning of this year was like pretty much how it'd been the years before, but I had this like deep feeling of discontent because what I would find is, is I would want to go out and do things to get those life experiences. And then something in my brain would try to talk me out of it. And a lot of times that thing, you know, would win. And then I ended up in a relationship with someone who lived in another country 
So that was going to cost money. So I just up and left Colorado and I came back to my parents' house and I was saving money. And then that relationship, unfortunately, ended. And now it's just like, I don't know what the next step is. And I put this overwhelming pressure on myself to just know, mm. to know what the next step is. I feel like a lot of people put so much pressure on themselves to know what the next step is instead of just mm. allowing themselves to exist. What guidance do you have for those people? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think two things here come. There, there's a, there's what we were talking about before that kind of river of compassion that flows through us. A lot of times we connect to it more deeply for things like Clark, your dog, or your parents, or people that we love. But that same compassion can uh, can come back to us, for yeah. us, on us, and that finding a sense of how to be compassionate with yourself, you know, cultivating a sense of compassion for your own situation, your own life, your, your own suffering, you know, um, that starts to ease the mind's grip on that, that, incessant narrative of it's wrong. We're not doing it right. Oh crap. I got to get out of here fast. I got to make a schedule. I got to, you know, it's that like, that, that feeling we all know what it is. Right. And that comes from not being in touch with that sense of compassion for ourselves, because when we truly have it, we're like, Hey, you know, in a sense, you're still like the the two-year-old kid who's just learning how to be a self, who's dragging all the conditioning that they got back then with them. That's all with us in different places. And when we can see that compassionately, we can go, oh, okay, this is, I'm, you know, like I'm, I'm like everybody else. I got issues and stuff and I'm suffering. And then the other part of that is impermanence. You know, like you say, we, we say, I want this now. I, what am I going to do next? We're all going to approach a moment in our life where there is no next. The only thing we're going to be asked to do is to die, is to give it all up. Yeah. And whatever you think about what you wish was next in that moment or, but I mean, any, any thoughts about that moment are useless. And if we don't take time now to cultivate that awareness of, okay, how would I approach that moment? What, because you naturally know how to die. Like you naturally know how to live. Um, one of my great friends on social media um, is hospice nurse Julie. And she talks about this all the time. Mm -hmm. um, we had her on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, and she's so great. Yeah, um, that that we know how to die, and I, I I say we know how to live too. We know how to be who we are without using this to create a mind identified self that is just literally creating a, a reality that is a house of mirrors. You know, we're, we're like screaming back and forth, and it just gets louder and louder and louder, and. 
it's not like that goes away. It just becomes not the thing that is most important. And, and it gives a, a sense of who we are that doesn't involve thought, that's prior to thought, that is naturally, instinctually human. And so I, I think that that's the answer to 99% of our what do we do questions is to go to treat ourselves compassionately and, and to be with that question. Because that question is going to answer itself. It's not just going to stay there forever. You know, someone's going to come into your life or you're going to get an email or there's going to be something that happens. But you're going to miss that if you're up here rattling around in your mind going, oh, my God, what is next? What do I do? What is this? What is this about my problem that I do to fix this? Hmm. You're going to miss what life has to offer you. So like in the in the process of us like scampering about and stressing out and we kind of miss what is actually going on because of the chaos that we're almost creating for ourselves. So it sounds like yeah. being able to sit in that discomfort yeah. and just look at it instead of trying to make it what you want or panic over it. Like that's something I've always said about worry. People are like, well, are you worried? And I was like, well, is worrying about this going to help me? in right. any way. And it does the opposite. But it's I think it's natural. I'm not going to say don't worry all the time, but like do your best to get out of your own way and be kind to yourself. Uh, ultimately, sure. which I'm not good at. I've never been good at. I don't know how that happened, but maybe that's what this stage of my life is about. You know, I'm with my family. I'm in a place where I'm I'm safe and secure and I can rest, but rest has not been the journey of my life. So maybe it's time to just chill out for a little bit and enjoy this time instead of always needing to achieve big things and the next step. Like if you're always looking forward, you never get to appreciate where you are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, always big realizations with you. We have a couple <laughs> que <laughs> we have a couple of questions from Patreon people if you're down to answer. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So if you guys ever want to send questions to the guests that I have on, it's patreon.com slash unfiltered friends. Annika asks, how do you know if your if your intuition or higher self is speaking to you versus anxiety or fear? Mm, that's a great question. Mm -hmm. Well, they're really talking from two different places. So the, I think the easiest way for me to see anxiety and fear is that it happens up here. It's, it's all happening here. Um, and there's a, uh, there's a great way to quickly kind of drop down out of this place of like listening and being and get into the body closer to our instinctual operating system. And that is where you're going to get in touch with your higher self, your intuition, whatever you want to call it. That non-conceptual sense of knowing where you just know. It doesn't even need words. You'd, you would maybe even struggle to put words to that, like, oh, this is it. Mm -hmm. and, and, and what happens a lot of times is we'll have that realization in our instinctual operating system and will and the mind will grab it immediately and go oh yeah i know exactly what to do with 
this. And whereas if we just like stay there with that, that instinctual feeling, that, that sense, it unfolds on its own in a different way. And now this doesn't come out of nowhere, you know, that, that you can't, like expect that after a lifetime of doing it this way, it's just, you can flick a switch and go to this, but there are practices, mindfulness practices that can move our awareness from the head to the body. Um, one of them, it, it, it takes like two minutes. Do you want to try it? Sure. Okay. Take a deep breath. Visualize where your sense of self is like in the body sort of feel into it. Like Mm. for most of it's, it's like a little homunculus behind our eyes somewhere in our head that feels like, you know, it's running the show. Mm, Not me. Where is that for you? It's in my heart. It's in my chest. It's in your, that's where you feel like you are. That's where I feel it. Yeah. Okay, good. That's a great, that's a great place to start. Hmm. So where then let's, let's, let's look at this. What feels like it's in your head where, or when you have anxious thoughts or, uh, when things are, when you're trying to solve a problem using your mind, where do you experience that? Like, where do I experience the thought? Yeah, where do you exp- where, where do you feel it in your body? In my it, like the top of my head, top of your head. Okay, so let's let's go there. Okay, let's go to that place, and just feel into that sensation, what it feels like. Like, where are the edges of it? How how does it feel? Is it hot? Is it cool? Is it pressure? It's Is pressure. It, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so then just take that sensation, breathe into it, and imagine bringing that awareness down to your jaw. That mm-hmm. same kind of, that, that sense of, of like what. It's, it's tension. It's like tension yeah. and pressure. Okay. Now my yeah. jaw kind of hurts. That's weird. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Bring it, bring it down to your jaw. Just let it be there. Just notice that you can move it, that mm. it's not static. I'm in control of this. Well, no, you're not maybe necessarily, but you can allow it to kind of drift towards your center. And you, you're in control of keeping it where it was. Mm. When you let go of control and you just sort of set your intention to go, oh, what if we move it here? Mm. It can go to your jaw. Now, can you bring it down to your throat? Yes. Yeah. Now mm. take a deep breath and let it ride that breath down to your heart. Yeah. Now you've brought that same energy right to the center of who you are, where you already said you experience your, your deepest self. And a lot of people haven't even had that experience of experiencing themselves in the heart. Mm. But when we can take that part of us, that is that anxious, controlling, mind-identified sense of self, and bring it to our heart, Mm. we can start to operate 
from a heart-centered awareness that changes the texture, quality, content of our life. Mm. And that's something, that simple thing we just did is something you can do any time of the day. And if you add some kind of another mindfulness practice to that, that you just, that works for you, like some, it could be mindful walking, it could be rock climbing. I know you like rock climbing. That was mm -hmm. my mindfulness practice for a long time. Anything that allows you to focus attention and, and, and to, to take your mind and give it a, a task basically mm. where it is just, you know, in that one, the mind is just going with. All right. I have a lot of thinking to do. I'm going to go ride some roller coasters and process this. And it's interesting. Like, I don't really know anybody here anymore in Illinois and I, I invited my friend to go and she backed out. So I'm actually going by myself because I'm not going to allow something like that to stop me from going and experiencing joy and things that make me happy so we're it's we're putting it into practice it's something Wonderful. that i enjoy doing let's go have some fun but if people are inspired by you and i know that they are where's the best place for them to reach out to you uh the best place would probably be um either uh, listen to sleep.com if they're interested in the sleep podcast <clears> or if they're interested in more of this hero's journey stuff at awaken your myth Dot com. Uh, we're going to actually, the community has been closed for six weeks while we did a private cohort that went through. Mm. Um, that's going to open up next uh, in a week or two um, for, for membership again, if people are into, you know, working with a community of people who are all doing this stuff. That's awesome. Well, let's stay closer in touch. Maybe I'll come out and disappear in the mountains with you for a little bit too. That, that would be like, great. Sounds You're like always fun. welcome. But thank You're you for being welcome. on Unfiltered Friends. I appreciate you. Thank you, my friend. I will talk with you soon. Have a great day on those roller coasters. I will.